Welcome to the Trailer Cast with Elise Snipes. Each week, I will be sharing with you from inside my vintage trailer where I work as a therapist and share some of my musings on the human experience. I am endlessly fascinated and inspired by people. I love being a therapist and I'm deeply grateful for the intimate and beautiful work I get to do. I believe we are wildly capable of healing and making this world a better place, and this is my attempt at doing that. Sharing beauty to invoke beauty. May you find yourself inside these stories and ponderings and be better for it. Cheers. Okay, so I am in Austin, Texas right now for my very first time ever, and I'm having so much fun. I just rode around most of the city on something called a bird. Um, I come from this super small beach town where birds in this fashion do not exist. They are these motorized scooters that you could literally just um, hop on and ride anywhere and then drop off. I'm obsessed. Um, Bird, I need you to come to Dana Point because I need to ride one of these all the time. It has been awesome. So I'm out here in Austin because I have been at the Rise Together conference put on by the Hollis Company, and it has been a blast. I, I feel like every time I get off the stage, I end up feeling like, God, that was so much fun. <laughs> I, as weird as that is, I know a lot of people have fears about public speaking, but I'm not kidding. It is energizing. It is fun. I feel like there's, I don't know, like something like tran- transcendent a little bit about getting to be up there and share about things that I really care about. So For this conference, it was a one-day couples conference in Austin, and there were different components that we like hit on throughout the day, and the part that I got to speak about was on intimacy, right? Shocker, as a therapist, but um, it it was great. It was really great to be a part of that conference. I feel super honored to have had the chance to get to share the stage, and I figured um, I haven't done a lot of couples stuff here on TrailerCast, that I'm going to share with you the work that I created for this Rise Together Couples Conference. And I'm going to kind of go through my talk and see if it's something that might be useful to you guys as well. So without further ado, I'm going to let you know that this is what I shared at the Rise Together Conference in Austin, Texas this week. So what is intimacy, right? I mean, I feel like that is something that we hear about all the time, talk about all the time, um, maybe even use, but maybe aren't totally sure what it actually is, how to achieve it, let alone how to achieve it in our relationships. So we're going to start with this idea of intimacy as defined as closeness, as close familiarity, but more than that, this sense of rest at being known with, seen, understood, joined. You know, it's the experience of being loved and adored, championed for who you are just as you are. Okay, and while you are listening, I want you to pay attention to what this stuff brings up in you. And I mean it. I want you to think about what causes your like stomach to tighten? What causes you to stop breathing? What causes you to fake smile? Like, like, what is it in your experience as I bring up things that might cause you to feel a certain way, might be semi-triggering, whatever it is that makes you feel, it might be a place for consideration in your relationship, okay? 
So pay attention to your experience as we go through this talk because I want you to know how this works in your specific relationship. Okay, so intimacy, closeness, this idea of being with our partner in this free, easy, like approachable, doable way that is like rich and rewarding. It is something we were designed and built to have, like to crave. I mean, how many of you have children, okay? Then you know this. See me, watch me. Do you like my dance moves? What about my karate kicks? Care for me. Like, help me know that I'm okay, that I'm good. Protect me. Show me that I'm okay. Right? Like, as children, we can, without fear, ask such vulnerable questions, right? We want to be seen and known for our goodness, that is still our core, you guys. Like, that is still the place from which we operate. But as adults, we have a few more years on those guys, which include injury, embarrassment, loss, shame. And out of that, we create all these super fascinating costumes to protect ourselves from further risk, further vulnerability, and ironically, end up avoiding intimacy because we aren't sure how to ask the questions anymore. As adults, it might sound something like this. Does he notice me? Does she think I'm a good dad? The questions change, but not by much, right? Like There are things that we still want to know if our partner sees us, notices those things, thinks that we're good, but we might be intimidated to ask the question. We might be letting something get in the way of our intimacy because at our core, we want to be known, seen, understood, and safely close to someone. And so today we want to understand what gets in the way of that. Because I mean, if we, if we both want that, like in a relationship, you think it would just be natural, a given, But we all know that's not the case, right? Or we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be talking about this. So when I am working with couples in coaching or therapy, there's a few things that we always start off with. And one is this. Everything is solvable. Everything is solvable. There is not something so dark or so big that we cannot solve it together if you guys are willing to show up and do the work. Okay? Everything is solvable. The other thing is I believe that we can observe, learn, practice and enjoy our way deeper into our relationships and towards each other, okay? These are the principles that we we start with, that we operate from. So we're going to move into this idea of intimacy, the cycle of either connection or disconnection, that we are either continually moving towards this place of intimacy and connection and being known, seen, understood, appreciated for who we are, or moving towards disconnection, to the cycle of feeling stuck, alone, unseen, unheard, needs unmet, and so forth. So the way that we're going to break it down, because I really genuinely want everything that we do to be useful to you. I want to get the ideas that are stuck in therapy behind like those HIPAA-compliant doors out into the world so that you can use them. And so we're going to be talking about this idea of connection and disconnection, about barriers, detours, and practical ways forward, okay? 
So here's the, here's the thing. When couples come in my office, usually we uncover that people are fighting about like the same thing in a thousand different ways. Like, like it's not, there's like, there's a lot of variance, which couples typically fight about the same things. Not, I mean, like just, oh, we're going to, we fight about sex all the time. We fight about work. We fight about time. We fight about finances. Um, and it just might sound a little different, but ultimately the root of what is there is the same and it is creative, right? And we can probably even eat more easily. So pick out our partner stuff what their pet peeves are, what their triggers are, what really sets them off. We know how they're going to respond. If they're going to avoid, walk out, get mad, storm, whatever, right? We know what our partners are going to do, and we know what we're going to do. So we're going to consider this idea of barriers, okay? And a barrier is something that is blocking us from being able to freely move towards each other. That is what our cycle of intimacy could look like. An absolute freedom to ask the vulnerable questions and to see, know, and enjoy each other. Some barriers are going to be like just big stinking doozies. Okay, things that might take some professional coaching to kind of help redirect your route. Okay, and some of them are going to be smaller. Things that we just literally solve here today and that you just never look back on. So some of these roadblocks I'm going to name. And again, pay attention to your experience what like what is this bringing up in you? Possible barriers in intimacy include infidelity, addiction, porn, shame, lying, laziness, busyness, being a workaholic, being conflict avoidant, old wounds, previous relationships, childhood injury, fear, Anxiety, depression, anger, loneliness, self-hate, apathy. I mean, I mean, some of these, you guys, they feel like obviously huge, obvious and big, but others are subtle and pervasive and they serve to undermine your relationship in less obvious ways, okay? So like the obvious barriers to intimacy, those typically get us in the door to therapy, Right? When we lose a child, when we experience infidelity, when we are met with crippling addiction, okay? And and there isn't a lot of stigma attached to that. People expect us to get help for the big doozies. But what if it is just some subtle shifting that we need to do? That I've, I've kind of settled into this pattern of laziness. I've kind of stopped doing the hard work. I've kind of let myself go. I've, I've kind of ended up in this pattern of believing that this is the way it'll always be. These subtle, pervasive things are the silent killers of intimacy because they don't feel big enough to have to address right now until we don't. They don't actually prevent us from from going towards where we want to go, and so we just kind of let them exist. But 5, 10, 20, 30 years down the road, there are just these radical gaps that we have a really difficult time closing. And then typically people try to come to therapy at that point and they don't even know where to begin. They do not even know where to like begin describing what it is that went wrong because it was never a huge obvious thing. It was just this small, quiet secret that continued to be whispered over all those years. So note your obvious barriers. Write down or be aware of the things that obviously prevent you from being able to move towards your partner in an intimate, 
simple, easy, free way. Don't write down your partner stuff, okay? This is about your work in this moment. There'll be plenty of time for your partner to do their work as well. But right now, this is about you identifying what keeps you from moving towards your spouse. Are you afraid? Are you afraid they won't care? Do you feel like they don't notice you? Have you been keeping a secret? Are you addicted to online shopping, gambling? Like, what, what is a thing that gets in the way of you feeling like you could ask your partner to see you just as you are? Is it core beliefs? Like, do you have a belief system in your head that it is not good to be seen or that when people see you, you're, they're going to uncover who you really are? Our core beliefs are often the most radical barriers in our route to intimacy. From those barriers, we take a detour. From the barriers, from the big thing, that impassable thing, we have to go another way. We take a detour away from that giant elephant in the room or away from that huge thing that we feel like we just cannot deal with, it's too big for us or unsure or whatnot. So the detours are what we do in response to the thing in front of us. When our partner is too busy for the relationship, has an addiction, doesn't know how to care for us in the way that we want, isn't attracted to us anymore, turns us down for sex again, whatever it is. These detours might look like this. Think about what it might be for you. Avoid. Do we avoid it? Displace explode, retreat, blame, confront, become passive-aggressive, buy things, pacify, put out, hide, act out, keep secrets, self-destruct, Right, you guys, we can do all sorts of things when intimacy and attachment is thwarted, when we feel alone and dysregulated. Look into yourself right now. Consider what your specific detour is. What do you do when you're facing that giant thing and you don't know what to do? Do you bring it up within yourself or with your partner? Do you confront it? Do you become explosive? What do you do when you have to go another way and you're not really sure how to deal with that thing? Okay, so I know that what I'm putting out here right now is personal. But so is the work of our relationship, right? We really need to take a good, hard look at this so we can confidently and collectively move forward and do this thing. This work will feel personal because it is. You have to remember, though, everything is solvable. So don't be afraid of looking at this thing right now. We have to know how we detour and remove ourselves from that like congruent, unhindered cycle of intimacy so that we can talk about finding a right way forward towards connections or towards intimacy. Knowledge is power here, okay? No matter how hard it is, if we can actually look at the thing, then we can solve the thing. So we will always bring up the work we are doing. It doesn't mean we're going to just open it up and leave you out there hanging, but we're going to bring it home. We're going to land it. We're going to solve it. So give yourself over to this moment. Be willing to ask the hard questions, to say the hard thing. I want you to think about it, okay? 
So we need to establish what it is we are looking for in regards to intimacy in our relationship. Okay, This is one of the most difficult things to put into words. It feels like just too massive. I just said, hey, what does intimacy mean to you and how do you have that in your relationship? I think people are either like are confused by what the word intimacy is um, or aren't really sure how they feel connected to. So I'm going to ask you a painful question instead. I want you to think about this. Go with me. What makes you feel the most alone in your relationship? Okay. What makes you feel the most alone in your relationship? Not being noticed? Not feeling respected, not feeling understood, not having time together, not having a voice. I need you to think about this. Okay? This is the thing that we want, need most. And if we had that, we would feel intimately connected to our partner. Okay, so sometimes we can look at that point of disconnection, that void, as a way in, as a way towards the thing we've been looking for. Don't be afraid to look at it. Okay, this is all solvable. We have to do real work to see real results. So write it down. What makes you feel the most alone in your relationship? This is where my favorite therapist, Missy Elliott, comes in. Okay, in her song, put your thing. Her th- her song is called "Work It," but she says, "Put your thing down, flip it, and reverse it." And we're gonna lighten it and and do that work here. Okay, it's like this: I feel most alone when, therefore, I need to feel intimacy. Okay, you put your thing down, flip it, and reverse it. I feel most alone when my partner doesn't make eye contact with me. Therefore, I need him to see me, make eye contact with me, to feel intimacy. I feel most alone when she doesn't have sex with me. Therefore, I need sex more often to feel intimacy. I don't know. What is your thing, right? Put your thing down, flip it, and reverse it. When you feel most alone, whatever that pain point is, acknowledge it. That is a thing that you're looking for. It's such an easy solution to be able to put words to the thing that you've been looking for. And if you could communicate it, name it, then your partner would be able to do it, right? And you'd be able to get over this giant detour, this thing that you've been avoiding, and enjoy some intimacy together. Do you see how sometimes we have to just learn to see the thing, name the thing, call it out, be brave enough to say, I need this from you. I want this from you. I want to feel like you're attracted to me. I want to feel like you notice me. I want to know that you think I'm doing a good job raising our children. I want to know that you appreciate that I work hard. Like I want to be known by you intimately. We were built for this. We crave it. There are things that interfere with it. And that's what we want to handle today so that we can take practical steps forward so we can actually enjoy the relationships we're in, right? Because relationships, we were made, this is supposed to be fun. This is supposed to be relatively easy, okay? We are adults. We we know how to do these things. We know how to listen. We know how to communicate. We know how to solve conflict. We do it all the time. But for some reason, we bring that into the context of marriage or relationship, and all of a sudden, we're like, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to communicate. I'm like, BS. (laughs) 
BS. You so do. You're a boss or you're an employee or you coach a team. Like, yes, you know how to communicate, but somehow we're building this narrative around the relationship that so we can excuse ourselves from having to do the thing, right? Like when we tell ourselves that I just don't do intimacy, okay, well, you just gave yourself permission to not do intimacy. Um, oh, my husband doesn't um, do the ooey-gooey, mushy stuff. Okay, thanks for giving him that prescription to not have to do the ooey-gooey stuff with you if that's what you need. Be aware of the narrative that you build around these pain points. If you are excusing each other from having to do the hard work, then this is what it'll always look like for you, right? It will always be this way, this sense of disconnection or separateness, which breeds isolation and loneliness, which breeds all those detours and things where we start acting out or going within ourselves into some dark places. We can look at the thing. We can do the hard work. We can start to define it and take practical steps forward. Everything is solvable. Take that from our time today. Everything is solvable. Okay, we're going to dive into this story concept idea, okay? So you're going to bear with me for a second. If I told you that right now, in this very moment, we're going to be taking a trip to a foreign land, a country you've never been to, and you're going to live there for the rest of your life. Oh, and by the way, uh, they speak a different language drive on the other side of the road, eat super weird food, um, have very bizarre customs, and basically everything you know is about to get flipped upside down. Okay, don't panic yet. But we would have a lot of prep to do, okay? I'm going to break it down like this. There's three things you would need to do. One, you'd need to learn the language. Two, you need to learn the landscape. And three, you need to learn from the locals, Okay? I mean, if you're really going to make this transition sustainable and enjoyable, these three things will be extremely helpful. Language, landscape, locals. Okay, your foreign land is your relationship. The language is how to communicate with your partner. The landscape is their makeup, history, personality, quirks, fragile places, dangerous places, okay? And the locals are your partner and their people. So here's the deal. Most of us underestimate the journey we are embarking on when we begin our relationships. We actually presume our experiences, customs, onto this new culture and assume we are right. And they're strange. Right? Like they drive on the wrong side of the road. No, they drive on the other side of the road. Like we start to believe that the way they do things is not just different, but wrong. And so what can at first seem exotic, fun, enticing, can become weary, frustrating, and claustrophobic. When we go to these foreign lands of intimacy and relationship, what can begin as the trip of a lifetime the thing we've been waiting to do and go on our whole life can eventually become just so taxing. We feel so out of place. We feel lost and foreign in our own marriages. Think about the places you've been for the first time. I don't know if any of you spent time living abroad, but 
at first, it's like, well, I spent, um, I spent some time in Southeast Asia. And I'm like, bring me all the pad thai. I, I need all of the pad thai and all of the street food. I don't even care if it was bugs. I was going to do it. Six months in, do you want to know what I wanted to eat? Peanut butter and jelly, okay? I needed peanut butter and jelly because you know what? I was done. I was done eating cicadas. I needed something familiar. And I think that that's exactly what happens is is when we get in to our relationships and they are still so foreign, we kind of revert back to what is comfortable, familiar, palatable, part of our makeup and identity. So let's look at what how we kind of do this, how we move forward in this language. This is communication, okay? These are, these, the communication, I just feel like it is so severely underestimated because it's not just talking, right? Communication is body language and eye contact and tone. Um, It is timing of when we have the conversations. It is asking good questions. Learning the language is being aware of all the things and subtle nuances, euphemisms, and things within this foreign land that really only make sense if you understand the language. So I'm going to say a couple things about communication. One, you need to get clear. You need to double check. You need to ask for clarification. Do not let your words get lost in translation, okay? You might have incredible things to say, but if they're not landing with your partner, then it really doesn't matter, So when I was in Thailand, the amount of times that I was trying to order water, right, like to drink, and they brought me fish sauce (laughs) because it is one tone off. I cannot tell you how thirsty I was. (laughs) All I wanted was a freaking glass of water, but my tone was off. Do you hear it, right? Do you understand the difference of when... I need to say something to my husband and I have the wrong tone of voice and I am just getting the wrong thing back every time and I can't figure it out. Well, for one, you guys, I'm tone deaf, okay? So learning a tonal language was beyond foreign. It's like impossible. (laughs) When you're learning to communicate, make sure you're ordering the right thing or you will constantly be served fish sauce. You can learn each other's love languages. I feel like this is a huge and important thing when we, when we talk about language and communication. It's, I know love languages are old school, okay? But here's the deal. They're basic and they're approachable. And I think that's why they've been a lot around for so long. You want to make sure that if you are trying to like put something out there for your partner, that they can pick it up. And the love languages are a surefire way to do that. Here's the other thing with communication. How you say it when you say it and where you say it are equally important. How, when, where, okay? How you say it. This is that whole construct of say what you mean, mean what you say, and don't say it mean. You want to be aware of how you're saying it so that you're not dismissive, so that you're not also drafting your fantasy football league while you're trying to have this intimate conversation, right? That you're not also like taking care of your kids, but you want to make sure that you are available to the work at hand. How are you communicating with your partner? What word choice? What tone? What eye contact? What body language, right? Verbal, nonverbal. Be aware of it all. The win. <laughs> okay. I hope my husband's listening right now because he's going to laugh out loud when I explain what happens. 
When we first got married, there were several times that I thought would be the optimal time to have an intimate conversation. One, right when he gets home from work, (laughs) right? Because isn't that when your partner's like most available to you? Like when they've been working all day and they're like super exhausted and just want to come home and relax, turn off. And then there I am at the door like, hey, aren't you excited to talk to me about all the things? Because I miss you so much all day. And so like now's the perfect time. Wrong, okay? When we have the conversation is just as important as what we're actually talking about. My number two, favorite time to choose to have conversations that were meaningful. When we were going to bed. You guys, I cannot tell you a more inopportune time to try to have like connection than when your partner's trying to sleep, (laughs) okay? Trust me, you need to choose your when wisely, okay? Like when they've eaten, when they're not trying to sleep, okay? You want to think about things that will actually allow this conversation to move forward. Communication is key in our relationships. How we do it, when we do it, where we do it, okay? We want to make sure that we're setting ourselves up to be able to allow our partner to pick up what we're putting down, okay? Moving to landscape. Landscape. This is all the things that makes up your person, Find out about their childhood, their teenage years, how they were parented. I want you to know how they handle conflict, what they do with shame, what they love about themselves, what they're embarrassed about, what their dreams are, when they want to retire, what they like for presents, how they feel cared for, not just the way you want to care for them. Okay, landscape is key. I think this is one of the most underestimated aspects of marriage because we kind of just take each other at face value. Like, I like her. I like him. Let's get married. It's like, yeah, but there's a whole broad, wild landscape that we want to be aware of. Otherwise, we're going to keep getting lost. We're going to take the same route to that place where we're not supposed to go because you can't figure out why she cries every time you talk about her dad. (laughs) You guys, if you knew the landscape, the amount of pain you would save each other is like mind-boggling. Ask the questions. Find out about your partner. If I don't care how long you've been together or how much you think you know, there are things still yet to be discovered by your partner because they're alive. They have new dreams and new thoughts and new desires because they're alive. So get to know them. Get to know the landscape. What's the rocky, deserty place? What's the lush, wild forest? Where's the ocean? Like, get to know the landscape of your partner, their makeup. The way you do that sometimes is you have to ask the locals, right? If you want to know the best secret surf spots, where to get the best burrito in town, you have to ask someone. (laughs) So don't be so prideful or stubborn that you think you know and that you're just going to get lost anyway. Ask, right? Ask the locals. So who are the locals? The locals are your actual partner. Ask them, how can I love you today? What turns you on? How can I make you feel known, seen, understood, heard? Ask your partner. Ask their people if they're safe. Watch your partner. Pay attention. Notice what they do, what they do to unwind, what they do to like get stoked. Ask good questions. Listen, like actually listen well. Learn to discover them. Stay curious. Let some things be wild, right? Let them tell you. Ask their family and friends. Learn from the locals. Okay, so here's the other thing. When you're traveling 
to this new land of like relationship and intimacy, you have to, you have to have grace on yourself. Okay, so when you accidentally order fish sauce for the 15th time, when you drift to the wrong side of the road and you totally blow it, it's because you're new here. You're learning, trying, acclimating. So doesn't it make sense to apply that same sense of grace and patience when we are learning each other, when we're practicing the language, tasting the food? That same sense of grace and patience towards ourselves and towards our partners. Okay, we don't need to heap anger, disappointment, or punishment on top of this work that is already foreign. I mean, can you even imagine if when your children were learning to speak and for the very first time your son walks up to you and says, Dada, and you look at him and you're like, "Um, no genius, it's Paul. You blow it every time. My name is Paul. I've told you a hundred times. Why are you even trying this? Okay, you guys, no, no. We encourage our child. We're like, yes, dada, that's me. We model it. We echo. We don't just shame them for trying, right? They're new here. They're figuring it out. They're making progress. But here's the other thing. We also don't let our kids come part way. Okay, if our kids um, have speech impediments and they're not saying that thing correctly, do you know what we do? We take them to speech therapy, (laughs) right? Obviously, because they need more help than we're capable of giving them. And it's the same thing in our relationships. If we get to places where we're like, God, we can only take ourselves this far, well, then you know what? It might be time for coaching or therapy. It might be time for you to let someone guide you for, for a little while so that you can move on and start communicating with each other in a way that feels right. So I'm going to wrap it up with this. Trying is doing, okay? You are already en route. Learn to laugh at yourself, okay? Lighten up a little bit. Lighten up. Stay curious. Never stop exploring your partner. Take guidance when you need it. And remember, everything is solvable. I hope that you enjoy the journey. I hope that you move towards greater intimacy even this week. If you have thoughts or questions about what I've been talking about today, please just email me. My email is elise at elisesnipes.com. Totally redundant, but easy to remember. Um, I'd love to hear from you. If you want to schedule a coaching session, I do coaching sessions all over the nation for people that are normal and just like you, okay? Therapy coaching is no longer, maybe never was, just for the people who were like, were like really messed up, right? <laughs> That's not real, coaching and the things that we need, all the information that is typically stuck behind the walls of therapy is available to you. We can do remote therapy anywhere. You guys, I get the chance to speak with people all over the nation and now in different countries and I am obsessed. It is so much fun. So if you're on the border of like, God, do I, don't I, do I, don't I, what have you got to lose? Like even I think sometimes just talking to somebody about a couple things is very enlightening to be able to make some practical changes. So hit me up if you've got questions. Would love to hear from you. Would love to connect with you. Would love to know your thoughts on intimacy. I hope that you guys have a great week. I hope that you um, challenge yourselves with this information and apply it to your relationships, whatever stage they're in. Okay. Have the best week. 
ไปขอบคุณที่ติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติดตามและฝากติ